Welcome to the drdavidmarlin.com Stable Science Podcast. I'm Dr. David Marlin, and along with a great team of experts, I'm helping horse owners and riders achieve optimal performance for their much-loved horses. In these podcasts, we will discuss science-led research, technology, information, and advice to help you care for your horses so they may live healthier, happier, and longer lives. To support the podcast and all our research and science for horses, go to our website, www.drdavidmarlin.com, and to learn more about what we do and the hot topics under discussion, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, everybody. This is Gillian Tabor. I'm an equine physiotherapist. And on this podcast, I want to talk about the use of horse walkers. So I recently recorded a podcast that you can find on this channel about ideas of how to uh, look after your horse if they're in the stable for longer durations. Certainly here in the UK, the weather has changed and so turnout might be limited or some ideas were there to help if your horse is on box rest. But one of the factors that I mentioned was about movement and I suggested that I considered the use of a horse walker better than the horse being stood in the stable 24-7. I don't um, want you to think that I would uh, choose that in preference to any other sort of active exercise or even sort of durations of turnout if the facilities allow sort of safe and the environment and the weather and everything. But I wanted to expand on that idea of uh, whether a horse walker was um, better or worse than standing in the stable because there are some people that are very polarised in their views of using them. You know, they could be very anti and they'd say they'd never put a horse on them. And there are others that obviously use them frequently. So it got me thinking, you know, are they the devil or are they a gift from the God? Uh, and I wanted to talk through some of the ideas that I had and looked at some of the research recently into them. So I 
uh, first place was to do a, a survey of the research and considering their frequent use I actually only found one study that was specifically all about horse walkers and that was by Walker et al in 2012 and that was a survey looking at the use of horse walkers for dressage horses Uh, The survey was questionnaire based and it used a subset of participants that had been part of a wider study into looking at risk factors for injuries in dressage horses that some of you might be familiar with that paper. It was uh, published by the um, main author being Dr. Rachel Murray and I think it was 2010. Uh, So Walker took the population of uh, participants that used horse walkers and surveyed them to find out more about their horse walker use. So in the end they had 195 uh, horse walker users with um, slightly more sort of horses being used on them but they asked factors such as you know the design of the walker, how long they use them for, why they use them for uh, and it's actually quite interesting. They found that the common size of horse walker was one that took four horses uh, and then uh, going up in size reduced in frequency. So five horse, six horse, eight horse. And then there was one uh, respondent that had a 10 horse walker. When asked about the actual surface on the floor of the horse walker that the horses were walking on, 42% had rubber matting um, and then uh, there were some that had rubber bricks and then concrete. And I was actually looking at some of the manufacturers' websites and uh, seeing what there is available and obviously there, you know, there's rubber, but there were some um, sort of grids that you could fill in with a membrane or an artificial surface that... Uh, provided a slightly different surface to either concrete or rubber that I thought was quite interesting. So back to the survey. When asked about the reason for using the horse walker, the most frequent use was for cool down. Uh, Then the next use was for rehabilitation and then for warming up. There were some other people that used them for when turnout was not possible. And that was, you know, the trigger for this podcast. Uh, Some used them while mucking out, presumably to sort of take the horse out of the stable. And then um, a few used it for additional exercise, including during or, or whilst they're on a day off. So um, lots of sort of common sense reasons for using them. Uh, I found it quite interesting that people use them more for cool down than they did for warming up. Uh, Makes me wonder whether they're doing uh, a sufficient warm up program or whether they manage to do that ridden or not. Um, But the median duration of use of the horse walker was 30 minutes. Now, I don't know because obviously I've not looked at the data, but was that increased or decreased when it was related to uh, cool down? And also was the 30 minutes something that changed if you had a horse on rehab, for instance? So one of the reasons that people don't like horse walkers is because of the perceived risk of injury. And in this study, there were 64% of people that reported not knowing of any previous injury on a horse walker which is roughly two thirds and then the other third that knew of accidents um, reported that it was due to either slipping 
uh, slipping or falling or uh, quite scarily facial damage as the horses got their heads sort of in between the partitions and the barriers that were moving around. Um, I have known of horses that have had injuries on horse walkers. I have treated horses that have had injuries um, and usually it is a consequence to the horse behaviour. You know, something happens because if they are just walking around the horse walker as they are supposed to do so from a sort of an acute injury point of view, there you wouldn't sort of expect that there would be an injury um so if they get themselves caught up um or they um sort of jump around or rear or kick that you know they can get their limbs caught uh, and then the other factor is of course if they leap around and they slip and they and they fall um that you know i have heard some horror stories of them sort of getting trapped in the horse walker um or, or getting themselves caught up um, I've been to places where the the guidelines or the rules of horses going on horse walkers, they don't wear a head collar or they don't wear a bridle. And then I've been to places where they have. Now, you would want something that had the ability to break under quite a light strain just in case it got caught up. Um, so, you know, one of these field safe head collars might be appropriate, although, of course, they've not been tested in that scenario. But you certainly wouldn't want anything that could get caught up on any of the metal work. Um, the other um, comments to do with injuries, which sort of move away from this idea of acute injury, which I will talk a little bit more about later on. But uh, some of the participants in this study talked about the concerns about the continuous turn on small circles and maybe having an oval horse walker would be better. But how does that work with speed? Um, because do they change speed on the turn compared with on the straight line? So, you know, that's something that... Um, um, would be interesting to actually measure. Another study that does include the use of the horse walker was a study on post-inhibitory rebound. Now that is the um, expressive, perhaps explosive movement of a horse once it's been turned out into a larger area and it's got the freedom to move. So its sort of movement has been inhibited and then it goes out and on the rebound it um uh, leaps around which potentially puts it at danger of injury. So this paper by Friere et al in 2010 did highlight the fact that uh, when on open ranges horses walk 15 to 20 kilometers but when they're stabled that is really really restricted. So what they did is that they had a study where they had horses put in um, various conditions of one hour exercise per day and then compared that to a controlled situation. Uh, and then they looked at after four days of doing that, either exercise or control, what happened when they turned them out into a large arena. So the exercise conditions that they had were either turnout in a field, on the treadmill, ridden exercise or on the horse walker. And the control scenarios for those were tied up next to the horse walker, tied up next to the treadmill um, or tied up in the field um, so that they could compare uh, not the sort of location, but actually the amount of movement that was undertaken. And they did find that the horses, when they were turned out, actually took less steps 
than the other exercises because they've put uh, an activity step counter on the horses, uh, which I thought was quite interesting. I was wondering whether I could look into how they did that and put one of those on my own horse. I'd quite like to see how many steps he does in the field. Um, but anyway, the number of steps when the horse was on the horse walker was highest out of those four exercise conditions. That is um, interesting compared with either the ridden exercise or the treadmill. So it uh, suggests that they covered a further distance. Um, and the after all four exercise conditions, when the horses were back in their stable, they took a lot less steps than when they were in the control condition. So basically, the horses moved during the exercise and stood stiller in the stables. Now, whether or not that is a good thing, um, my the reason it might not be a good thing, I'll just sort of flip that the other way around, is that if the horse is actually uh, not getting the exercise it needs outside the stable and then it is perhaps box walking or unsettled in the stable, then that's not going to be so good for us, for them rather. But actually for all those four exercise conditions compared to the control, when the horses were turned out, there was less post-inhibitory rebound. So there was less uh, bucking, leaping, cantering, generally charging around the field and putting itself at risk of injury. Um, there wasn't a difference between any of those four exercise conditions. So um, that doesn't support using the walker over and above ridden exercise um, or turnout before turnout into a pen. Um, so that again supports this idea that if you can, then ridden exercise potentially is preferable to putting your horse on the walker but ridden, uh, putting your horse on the walker is preferable for the sort of behavioural response and increasing the distance travelled compared with uh, a control condition of just having the horse turned out. Um, one of the questions that I thought about was is there less control of movement when turning your horse out compared with being on the walker and if we're thinking about horses that are undergoing rehab perhaps their sort of repair of a ligament or a tendon injury is uh, early on the early stages of rehab that those sort of tissues are going to be quite fragile uh, so would a walker be better than free turnout now from a sort of ethological and ethical point of view you know that that's a, a uh, sort of a, a grey area. However, um, in terms of rehab and sort of long-term health of that horse, is controlling the exercise going to be better or not? So the uh, other side of the coin to think about is what is uh, the potential risks of putting the horse on a horse walker. And I'm sure you're all um, familiar with the idea that walking in a sort of constant circle is going to put asymmetric loads through that distal limb. And if there's a particularly uh, slip-free surface, then you're going to get gripping of the hooves as the horse is turning, which can then induce torque up the limb so force on a turning uh, direction through the joints of the limb so you know is, is that something to be concerned about the other thing is that on uh, the fact that if you're going clockwise or anti-clockwise there's an asymmetry of movement and we do know that the back muscles work asymmetrically when you're going on a circle so you know is that advisable uh, sort of early stages of rehab 
for instance, post-kissing spine surgery. Uh, you might not want to do that, uh, but you might actually want to induce that asymmetry of lateral motion perhaps a little bit further along during your stages of rehab, so long as you make sure that you were to go one way uh, one time and then one way the other time to make sure that you're not promoting sort of asymmetric um, development. So, you know, that's something to consider. Uh, so I mentioned earlier the uh, Murray paper on the lameness in the dressage horses and when they looked at the duration of horse walker use, it, there was a relationship between that and the horses with an increased risk of lameness. Now, if you jumped on that data, if you didn't understand that actually correlation or association does not equal causation, you might say, oh, those horses are lame because they're going on the horse walker. But actually it could have been the horses were lame and therefore they were going on the horse walker for more because it could have been because of uh, rehabilitation. So um, that needs to be explored more. Um, we don't know yet whether the horse walker causes lameness, despite knowing that it, it does cause asymmetric distal limb loading, or actually is it uh, as a result of lameness that it's being used more. One of the things that we need to um, think about is actually you know, if you are walking on a, a circle and you are loading those joints in an asymmetric pattern, so long as it's on a... Uh, a low intensity and the duration is managed uh, sort of along the principles of progressive overload, maybe walking on the horse walker is going to stimulate adaptation into the distal limb tissues, which could be protective of injury because quite obviously we ride our horses around turns. So we need them to be able to have the capacity to tolerate a turn. So could low load um, sort of actually help with that early on in the rehab? Now, I don't know about that, but it, it's just a, a consideration and something to think about in that association. We know that high intensity training does change bone strength, you know, bone mineral density. Um, and actually another paper by um, Murray from um, a little while ago looked at comparison between bone um, density uh, and cortical thickness on high intensity work compared with the horse walker and found that the horse walker didn't stimulate so much um, adaptation. So um, yeah, that that's something, it's an interesting concept, isn't it? Can we increase the loading progressively to stimulate adaptation to then tolerate what we want them to do in a more sort of active and loaded um, sort of expression of exercise later on? Uh, as I say, I don't know the answers to that. That's just um, sort of a consideration. So where does that lead me um, in conclusion? Um, well, if the risk of slipping and tripping and falling is high, you need to monitor your horse's behaviour on a horse walker. Um, one of the suggestions in the Freer paper was that they should go on the horse walker with a companion, uh, so they're not on there alone. Um, if they obviously have behaviour that is putting them at risk of damaging themselves on a horse walker, um, one particular horse that I know of um, can has never settled on the horse walker um, and uh, yeah every time it's gone on there it, it's had to be pulled off it because of the risk of injury well that is obviously a safety factor but if your horse can tolerate it and um, 
it's still going to be at risk of injury, but is it any more risk of injury compared with turnout or perhaps being ridden or jumped, for instance? So you need to monitor the behaviour. Um, the horses should be observed on there. Uh, a lot of places they put the horse walk, horses on the horse walker and walk away, uh, which might be fine if you know that the chances are they're going to be nice and safe. But if you don't, then they need to have somebody monitoring them. Uh, at uh, Hartbury University, where I work, they have uh, constant um, observation of horses on the horse walker. They don't just leave them on there uh, and so that they can... Uh, interact with the horses um, and uh, the words maybe not interact what I mean they can stop the horse walker and prevent um, injuries as much as they possibly can do um, if you are at a yard with a horse walker obviously you can't change the size of it but if you are looking at a yard and you've got a choice then a larger horse walker is going to have a lower torque when turning on a small circle so um potentially the larger horse walker is the better for distal limb loading um but you know they are expensive and i imagine the smaller ones are cheaper to build than the large big ones that are on an oval some of the ones that i saw on the internet were beautiful they had sort of um, they were big enough to go around the outside of a lunging pen and um you know that that's going to sort of replicate a more of a sort of natural movement compared with a small turn that is only sort of 12 meters diameter um, and then the other thing is to think about when you put your horse on there make sure that you start with a very short duration of time and uh, monitor their response to it within the next sort of 24 48 hours uh, and then progressively build up the time um the idea that you would just start off with half an hour is wrong you need to literally just start off with a few circles and build up so I, you know, one of my thoughts overall, and this is obviously my personal opinion, is that I still think that going on a horse walker, if the horse is safe and there's no behavioural concerns, is actually overall more beneficial than having a horse standing in the stable for 24-7. Obviously, my preference would be to have the horse turned out, but I am pragmatic. We are here in the UK undergoing, you know, wet weather and then icy weather. There's very little grass out there. So, you know, let's sort of be fair to the horses that actually some movement is better than no movement. The benefits of being on the horse walker are that they are a level surface. They're usually a firm surface. The horses walked without a rider on board. So we take away any potential limitations due to saddle fit or um, rider problems. And then also I do understand that they are very convenient from a time use point of view. You know, you could put your horse on the walker whilst you're mucking out um, compared with actually taking them out for 20 minutes for a walk in hand. Again, in an ideal world, if we had um, all the time for every horse, perhaps, you know, staff or our own time, we could take them out for lead hacks. I'm sure that's going to be more environmentally sort of enriching for them. Um, but again, I'm repeating myself. I do think a horse walker is better than being stood in a box for 24-7. So that's my opinion. Uh, I'd be interested to know whether you agree or, or disagree. You know, please do get in touch. You can do that via the... Um, uh, groups facebook and via email and um yeah just say thank you very much for listening and 
If you want the references, um, I can provide those to the papers as well, as well in the show notes. So um, that's me saying goodbye for now. Thank you very much. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and the Stable Science series. If you want to learn more about this topic and our work, head over to the drdavidmarlin.com website. Our website and community of members discuss a wide breadth of topics and the website houses thousands of articles, webinars, videos and research, all designed to help horse owners, riders, trainers and breeders achieve optimal performance for their much-loved horses. The drdavidmarlin.com site is an independent information resource for all equestrians, a source of unbiased, science-based research. To learn more about what we do and the hot topics under discussion, follow us on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter.